0: Hey everybody welcome to investing in cannabis really great episode today we have Ross of Dutchie the delivery service that puts the retailer first they started in Oregon but they're in Washington they're in California now Uh, we talk about some really interesting topics like how to compete with ease how to do marketing without any Google or Facebook uh, and ultimately why you the consumer need more choice why you can pick brands and products from different dispensaries and have them delivered and not have to worry about limited selection uh really interesting discussion about delivery and where it's headed if you're interested in delivery if you've ever gotten a delivery you're gonna like this episode If you're starting a company whether it's delivery or in any other space and you need some help please let us know balanceadvisor.com we help with accounting and taxes capital preparation decks performance video marketing brand identity videos let us know if you need some help get your life back start sleeping again balanceadvisor.com all right guys let's get into the episode with ross of dutchy you're going to learn a ton i learned a ton tune in listen up get acquainted Oh, Ross, thanks so much for joining us. Really excited to have you. Welcome.
1: Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, let's get you started on an easy one. What is Dutchie?
1: So Dutchie is an online ordering service where we connect the consumer to the retailer. Um, So consumers come to Dutchie.com, both on phone, mobile, and web, and they can type in their address, find a list of dispensaries that are available in their area, and then they can view their menus and place an order online for delivery or pickup. And then on the other end for the retailer, We offer the retailer the tools for them to sell online. So they have their menu on their own website embedded through Dutchie as well as on Dutchie.com. And we are a kind of order generation tool for dispensaries.
0: Yeah, so pretty competitive space out there in the world, in the delivery world, but you come from a particularly relevant background. Can you tell us just a little bit about how you got in and and sort of acquisition before this and, and why delivery makes so much sense for you?
1: Yeah, so it's uh, it's a fun story. I started about 14 years ago in the online food ordering uh, space in the States. And this was uh, really early on. As we've all seen, online food ordering has grown to maturity and uh, mass adoption globally. But this was back in uh, at a time where there were, wasn't as many players out there and it was a new emerging space, finding success in the States. And we really, we, we joined a group that had uh, found a lot of success and really had a knack for online food ordering and scaled from coast to coast in the states working in university markets and we really learned a lot about the concept the model how to work with retailers and understanding what consumers wanted as far as an on-demand service goes So, we, um, uh, me and my partner actually at the time moved to Canada. This was in 2008, and found Canada to be an untapped market. There was nobody operating an online food ordering service in Canada. And we launched Grub Canada. So, it was Canada's first online food ordering service. And we quickly scaled the company coast to coast in Canada, worked with uh, in all provinces, thousands of retailers and restaurants, and uh, grew to see a quick adoption on the consumer side. I think that the consumers were hungry pun intended for a, a service that they could order food online from multiple restaurants in their area and that ended up being grub canada so we found a lot of success there uh, really learned the model and perfected it and then we we the company was acquired by just eat which is a global uh, giant in the online food ordering space at yep. the At the time, they were one of the largest online food ordering companies in the world and still are today. Um, It was a publicly traded company out of Europe. And uh, they wanted the Canadian market to kind of own outright the market. And we were the biggest player there. And there was a phenomenal acquisition. Um, And from there, I ended up of taking some time off and found myself in oregon uh, living a kind of a slower paced uh, happy and healthy lifestyle here and specifically in bend and then fast forward a few years in late 2015 cannabis went legal for recreational use here in oregon and as we all have seen uh what happens then is dispensaries are opening up on every corner and there's lines out the door there's a lot of excitement around the opportunity of the new space and i was kind of part of that that uh, group there and was very excited and quickly decided, the light bulb went off in my head, which was, let's apply that online ordering concept that we had done twice over from the States and in Canada over the past decade to the cannabis space. And that's how DutchU was born.
0: So you are the delivery man. Uh, what What's different about delivering cannabis than than restaurant food?
1: oh, uh, Quite a bit. So um, there's a lot of similarities, uh, some which are identical, and uh, some that are very different. So uh, for example, um, mainly what it is, I think, there's two sides to it, the consumer and retailer. Um, and I'll answer both of them for you. So on the consumer side, I think what we, th- there's a different value prop that we're offering the consumer in cannabis than we are in food. In food, it's strictly convenience. It's, I know what I want to order. I know I want a pizza and I know what type of pizza I like, and now I need to pick which retailer, order it and they'll deliver it to us. And it's a convenience play. Whereas in cannabis, I think we're offering more of an educational tool. The, the space, each dispensary's menu changes every day. There's so many new products that come in and sell out, and it's hard to just even know what inventory levels are at across all the stores. Um, so what we're really trying to do is answer two questions, is what to order and where to order. and you know, I think that with, with you know, there's over 15,000 strains, for example, I think now, and it grows every day. So having the educational tool of Dutchy, an online ordering service that has a descriptive um, description for each product is from a photo, uh, effects, THC, CBD percentages, the type, if it's a sativa, indica hybrid, I think that's very helpful. So the ability to just browse all the menus in your area at your fingertips and to see all the products that they have real-time inventory. And then the granularity of seeing what type of product that is. Is it a sativa? What THC level? What CBD level is that? Let's look at a photo, a description, know the farm that it came from or the brand. That's really helpful. Um, and then on the retailer side, the differences are are, are mainly in the inventory. Um, again, back on in food, a restaurant has a menu and it's, typically doesn't change much over the course of the year. Um, we in cannabis, it's changing also often. So one of the ways we combat that is through POS integrations. We integrate with the top POS companies where your menu as a retailer is managed automatically on Dachi, e and you don't have to worry about uh, about inputting new menu items every day and removing sold out items every day.
0: Got it. And can you search across multiple dispensaries and sort of all products on the platform? That's one thing I always wished that I could do with the delivery system. Yeah,
1: yeah and it's also delivery and pickup, so just to keep in mind. And we find uh-huh. a lot of, we find, so so yes, you can search uh, across the platform, um, but not just for delivery, for pickup too. And we've, we've learned that, you know, delivery is slow to roll out. So, you know, it's, there's a lot of rules and regulations around delivery. Uh, from and, and then on the retailer side, there's a lot of uh, infrastructure that they need to create to efficiently support a delivery service. So we've found a lot of success and traction in just even the pickup space. And again, I think the value prop goes to uh, the value prop to the consumer really lies in that, again, that educational tool, which does still apply to, to pickup as well
0: as delivery. What's the mix like of pickup versus delivery orders? You know,
1: it's hard to say because it depends on the state. So for example, in Colorado or Washington, delivery is not legal. So we have 0% delivery, 100% pickup. Whereas uh, in Oregon, delivery is legal. However, it's it's very new and the space is, is slow to adopt it. Um, again, that goes back to the infrastructure needed by the retailer to offer effective and efficient delivery service. So um, we see it increasing every day, week after week, um, in, in favor of delivery. Um, but again it's still at at this point it's actually a majority of orders are through pickup
0: Mm -hmm. got it interesting and i guess the food model sort of followed that as well a lot of pickup apps in the in the food world and um yeah fascinating how it's kind of similar and and so much different all at the same time so in 2015 when you started this in oregon it it must have seemed Very green field, uh, wide open, and well, now you're trying to compete in California with, uh, for starters, Ease, um, but also other companies like Meadow. How do you look at the landscape today, uh, and how do you compete?
1: Yeah, so, well, we didn't actually launch in 2015. That's when cannabis went legal. No No. worries. And and we ended up launching a a beta in late 2017 and then really came out with our – Kind of polished product that was ready for the, the consumer market in, in December in early 2018. Um, we've found that there is a competitive landscape. However, there's a lot of companies, like for example, you mentioned Ease, who does a phenomenal job um, at, at what they do. Their product is beautiful, their user experience is great. However, it's a completely different model than ours. We kind of focus on that marketplace offering the consumer the choice of where do you want to order from and uh, offer the retailer the ability to sell online. So we're more, I would say, retailer-friendly, retailer-focused and consumer giving the consumer the choice, whereas Ease more or less gives you that limited menu of you order from the Ease menu and don't get to choose the retailer. So we find... Um, Ease is more, I would say, um, a friendly company in the space in a similar sector as far as online ordering, but with a completely different model, therefore not a direct competition.
0: But the end result is similar, right? People want to order cannabis. They want to have it delivered semi-on-demand, at least 30 minutes or an hour. I get that there's a lot more options through what you do and, and the other ones that act more like portals, sort of the Eat 24 of the world versus like a Uber Eats, right? Um, one of the really interesting... debates in that world are the new California regs and how they, again, might affect EASE and their business model. What are your thoughts on those regs and, and again, how you sort of go forward and and carve out your piece here?
1: Yeah, so that that goes back to what we pride ourselves on is offering a platform that is agile. We understand that the regulations from state to state, even before California released these new regulations, it's going to happen and it already does happen. Every state is different. Um, Some are medical some are recreational they all have different category limits or delivery rules if they even have some so what we've done is we've set ourselves up and set this platform up to be very agile to be able to work in all states no matter what the regulations may be we could build them in very quickly and we can support whatever the retailers um, you know kind of business is dealing with their rules and regulations so with the new california laws they don't really affect us much um, This also goes to affecting the ability for us to offer a pickup service um, through our space where you can order online for pickup. Um, so again, the, the rules and regulations just shift slight things and how we how we um, kind of manipulate our product for that market. Um, a lot of the rules and regulations actually are in line with our model. For example, knowing which retailer you're going to order from. That's something that of course that our our platform offers. Um, so we, we haven't found that the rules and regulations in California have affected us much at this point. They're also a very new. They're still in a temporary phase. They're not Mm -hmm. permanent yet. And so, sorry. And so we're going to see how that kind of unfolds and adapt to it. But with the platform that we have, keeping in mind that it is an agile platform that is able to kind of shift with the rules and regulations that are presented, it, it makes it a bit easier for us.
0: No, I think they actually, the, the proposed regs, they stand to help you and sort of the dispensary first delivery models and, and may affect the the ease of the world. That's, that's the way I read it. And I think there's a lot of people really hoping that that comes down. But just to be clear, so someone orders, they can only order the inventory that's at that particular store correct? There's no sort of co-ordering here or depot model. It's just the inventory that's that's in that particular store. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. And then the actual store does the delivery, like they get the order, they're using your platform and then they dispatch their own driver. Is that? Correct. Got it. And is there any kind of like um, route optimization or batching there or like, what is a, what does a driver's route look like? Or do you think that far? Is that uh, in your domain or you don't go that far?
1: So we do have a delivery driver kind of application that the uh, delivery driver gets a message with a link to the order, shows them directions for how to get, so it'll give them directions for that customer in that order. it will give them a, a link to call the customer if they need to, as well as the birth date of the customer to verify at the door. And then at the door, they can complete the order which syncs back to the admin of what the retailer can see at the retail shop. So we don't have right now optimized GPS routes. Um, in fact, truthfully, Um, uh, the space, I actually don't know if it's as mature. At this point, delivery is so new um, that I don't think that the volume in delivery right now warrants the need for us to overdevelop a GPS optimized, um, like root calculation piece of software um, music to your ears. There are services like Onfleet, for example, uh-huh. that have this built to off the shelf service built in that we would be inclined more to integrate with before building it on our own. However, we have not done so yet just because of the maturity of delivery in the space.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, now I feel like I'm on an old sales call, but yeah, it's really expensive to build that kind of software and uh, you definitely should let someone else do it for you if it is necessary. I mean, honestly, I think that in cannabis, there's a lot of companies that have chosen even at OnFleet to turn off that feature of tracking because they're just worried about liability. Yeah, and
1: and that's our thing. We're playing with that always. We're playing with the idea of making sure that our product roadmap aligns with the ne- the the maturity of where the space is and what they need today. So we, ca- we don't want to overdevelop, we don't want to overwork ourselves and overbuild. Um, we want to stay right in line with where the space is. So as far as delivery, it's so uh, immature, it's in its infancy. And there's not many services out there that are doing such high volume. So we keep it very minimalistic and, and basic right now and agree with you completely that we would, you know, I pride myself on the idea of let's do one thing perfect. And we see a lot of companies out there specifically in cannabis that try and do too many things. Um, I kind of go back to the idea of if you're juggling three balls doing a great job, be careful to throw up a fourth ball. You might drop the first three. So we do online ordering strictly online ordering and we want to do that one thing. Perfect. Um, and we're very careful in doing anything that takes our product roadmap and strays us or derails us off that. So as far as the, like you agree, Oh, fully with what you just said. And if it is time to work with more of a GPS uh, route optimized service, we will look for who has the best in class software that off the shelf we could plug in. And, you know, I think we would look towards companies like Alfleet.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, look, I believe in that that world, sort of uh, apps on your phone versus Microsoft Office with a suite of services. I, I think there's far too many companies, like you said, that are just trying to do too much. Uh, but that brings up the question of sort of integrations and open APIs and an open source world. And there are some cannabis softwares that are quite protective and don't want to work with a company like yours. Um, maybe you've run into this in the POS space. Um, it, are you experiencing anything like that? And and how do you combat that? How do you combat you that? You know,
1: as far as the cannabis space goes, a lot of, we, we work with all, a lot of the major POS companies um, that I previously mentioned, and they're very excited to work with us. I think that they see, we haven't had um, much friction there. And I think it's simply because they see what we're doing in the online ordering sector, and we're doing a, we're doing a great job at it. You know, the response from the consumer and the retailer on Dutchie's platform from our UI and our UX to our service of a full content team and customer support team, it's pretty rock solid. And um, I think that they see that as added value to their product. Um, In fact, that's what the POS companies are saying to us, which is, you know, we don't want to do, some of them have tried to do their own e-commerce, for example, and they realize that it's not as simple as just a software feature. It's not just taking data, populating a menu with a clean design and allowing for consumers to order and communicating that order with the retailer. It's about what's under the hood, having a full content team that's making sure those menus are populated with photos, descriptions, effects, THC, CBD percentages. It's having a full customer service team, 24-7 staff to monitor every order, make sure that the retailer received the order and is okay and able to fulfill it in a timely manner, as well as servicing the consumer who might have questions on what should I order. So... We don't have any friction on, and have not experienced that up to, up to this point. Of companies that are not willing to work with us when there is a apparent synergy, um, we've found the opposite actually, which is they're eager to work with us because they see that we are offering a service that they could stand by, and are happy to promote and refer. And likewise, if we see a POS company, and we do out there that are doing a you know a hell of a job and offering a product that we stand by, then we're happy to co pitch with them.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, good. I hope you don't run into that because that's the way that the the world should be for sure. You mentioned photos, uh, which in your business are particularly important. And uh, you know a lot of cannabis consumers, especially experienced ones, are used to touching and feeling and smelling. And so that photo and that description on an online menu becomes so important. How much do you work with dispensaries on what that content looks like? Or are they on top of it? Do you give them recommendations? How does that work?
1: We have a full content team that services that completely for the dispensary, so they're hands off and they don't have to worry about it. What we do is we catalog every single product in every single state that we work in. It's a huge task, um, but we understand the importance of it and we work directly with the vendors to receive professional photos, descriptions, effects, potency levels, as well as the type. And uh, therefore, you'll see on Dutchie that all of our products are uniform um and you know not only look good but have the proper information to give that consumer that buying experience and that education level that they need to make that buy that purchase um just have an educated you know purchase there
0: got it got it that makes sense with the um with the brands right not not with the retailers that's that's definitely makes sense too um okay so let's talk a little bit more about California and sort of new markets here. What's the playbook look like? How do you expand? What's the marketing strategy when when you come somewhere new?
1: So we do a lot of as far as well, there's two sides to it. One's the sales and one's the marketing. Um, They kind of work together. So, um, you know, we have our account executives on the ground floor, um, kind of pounding the pavement, reaching out to new retailers, demoing our product and service and signing dispensaries every day. Um, We have a lot of dispensaries coming to us now um, after they've heard, you know, good things about the product and service or seen it kind of in action with some of their competition or other retailers, they reach out to us and we bring them onto the platform. Once we do, we do a lot of in-store marketing campaigns with them. Um, so when you walk into the dispensary, you'll see a lot of Dutchie, um kind of incentivized Dutchy material to Get that customer to order online we also embed our menu into the dispensary's website where we see a lot of traffic coming from that Mm -hmm. um, as well and then we do a lot of traditional advertising you know there's a lot of direct mail campaigns that we'll run Uh, we look for any marketing initiative that's scalable and that we can quantify and you know bring data back where we can analyze that data to understand what our metrics look like simply what is the cost per acquisition of that customer compared to what is the LTV, the lifetime value of that customer? And if that formula makes sense, then we know that we have that winning model here. And this is a, a marketing kind of initiative that we're we're going to stand by and continue to pursue. It, it, unfortunately, in the cannabis spaces, I'm sure you know, you can't advertise on the, the typical social media outlets. You know, yep. you can't advertise on Facebook or Instagram. You can't advertise through Google, through search, through AdWords. Which, you know, back in the food space was one of the biggest channels of acquiring new customers and it was quite very scalable and you could quantify that you could gather the metrics and the data you know down to the penny that you're spending which is so invaluable mm-hmm. um it's far better than throwing up a billboard which is a couple thousand bucks a month let's say and you have no idea how much traffic you got from it no clue. so yeah. you know it's a it's a tough thing obviously and this is you know a positive and a negative and of course let's stay optimistic here right so it's a barrier to entry for other players. You know, sure. this is kind of the the brutality of the I would say of the cannabis space and the hoops and the hurdles that we go through as a service in the cannabis space today. It goes back to the positive and negative. It's negative because it's not as easy. It's a positive because there's a huge wall and a barrier to entry. You don't have the big players coming in. And it allows for the best product to really win out instead of just the person who, you know, spent the most on Google AdWords, for example. Yep. So yep. you know, I'm actually a fan of it. And I it's like almost hard to say, but uh, you know, it, it gives us companies a a big head start and it says, hey, the product has to win. And that is truthfully, I think how it should be. So, you know, the retailer looks at the product and decides who's best in class and goes with them. And then as far as for the consumer to learn about the product, you have to be, you have to have measurable, scalable, um, marketing initiatives that, that work with the confines that we're, we deal with. So I think it's kind of a fun problem that we always brainstorm and have to overcome.
0: I love your positivity. Does it ever feel like uh, like 1985 and marketing and cannabis right now? Well, I I was
1: born in 1987,
0: so no. Me too. Right. I, I, that's why I picked a date before I was born. Uh, yeah, no, but the billboards and the bus signs and it's like, but wow. Yeah. I, yeah, you know,
1: I will say like I launched online food ordering far before Apple existed that, that iPhone existed before an app existed. We were sending orders to uh, restaurants on fax machines and <laughs> we dealt with the issue, the same issues. You know, we had to find those grassroots, super traditional ways to advertise. And, you know, it uh, it's not necessarily a bad thing, so.
0: Cool. So advertising, uh, regardless of the medium, costs money. Uh, And you did recently, you closed a $3 million raise with Casa Verde and I think Kevin Durant's arm. Uh, How was that process? How did you find the fundraising going? I mean, you have a previous exit that that must have... uh, been nice for potential investors to hear.
1: Definitely. I'm sure that helps. You know, I think a lot of people, especially in the cannabis space, we find uh, that a lot of entrepreneurs have uh, led their decisions based on excitement. They jumped into the space because it was the green rush, so to speak, of cannabis and the success of the inevitable success of cannabis. Um, however, they didn't have much experience in doing what they're Kind of the sector that they've jumped into so i think it was we're fortunate there that we've seen this this exact concept at scale twice over um and have learned a lot and and can kind of bypass a lot of the growing pains and a lot of the problems that we we maybe would have dealt with without the experience so i think the investors do like to hear that um you know the process of raising capital is definitely a funny thing i think most entrepreneurs before they go through it you know it's uh everything that they pray for. It's everything that they want to go through. It's the dream of let's raise capital. Let's talk with the VCs. Um, it's unfortunately not as, uh, that's, there's a lot of sugarcoating there. It's not as fun. It's actually very emotionally and uh, exhausting. And it takes a lot of time and, you know, a lot of repetitive conversations. And, you know, you're, you're talking at, at a. am the type of operator that likes to build the business. And what that means is signing on new retailers, building the team, working through the product roadmap and the, with the software team and um, you know and moving the ball forward whereas raising money of course indirectly is moving the ball forward but it takes a, your time away from and it is again very exhausting. so um, it's one of those things almost like a wedding I would say you're <laughs> excited you're excited to have it it's everything you've wanted but you're also happy when it's over <laughs> and uh, I would say you know fortunately the investors we work with have been phenomenal. Um, from Casa Verde and uh, the Durant company, Sinai Ventures uh, participated. And so, so did the early on executives and some of the founders of DoorDash, um, which is hugely, it's uh, been just a huge strategic investor. All of them have, they've been a pleasure to work with and have really understood our model, um, this space and, uh, you know, appreciate our our Kind of what we're doing here in our process. So uh, I think we're we're fortunate in that sense. However, I do think that you know it's one of those things that we're happy to be through and happy to get back to back to business and back to the basics and fundamentals here. Let's grow this business. Let's move our KPIs forward and and um, get to the next round. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. So many investors waste founders' time Uh, and it's one of the thesis points in my young investing career is like to get to the point and let them get back to their product. So cool that you've run into that though. CASA is great. I've uh, had quite a few run-ins with CASA uh, over the years. I think everybody's sort of picturing you and Kevin Durant and Snoop Dogg at a table uh, signing term sheets. (laughs) Is that like part of the deal? Do you get to meet with them? Are they aware of you or, you know?
1: I'm I'm sure they're aware. Of course, yeah. I, I would hope that they're aware as it's uh, you know, their funds that they're behind and
0: it's it's you
1: know, watching where their investments go. Um, no, I definitely did not sit at a conference table and sign paperwork <laughs> with Kevin Durant or Snoop Dogg, I'm sure. Um, you know, and, and that's truly it's it's not what it was about for us. The the people at the helm of both of those funds, you know, Casa Verde, um oh, the guys at the helm there. Yeah. Yeah. So Yoni and Curran, they're phenomenal it's a breath of fresh air to speak with these guys they understand not only that they understand consumer tech at scale the business model the process to get there they understand capital and how it you know how it contributes to that they understand the space extremely well and they have a bunch of network you know a huge network and a bunch of resources to connect us with and that's been the value so um you know i it's great to work with those guys. and uh, But no, we don't work as closely with specifically Snoop Dogg or Kevin Durant as maybe one would think.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really good friends with Pranav, the founder of Trellis, and he's still waiting for his Snoop Dogg meeting, I think, after Casa <laughs> invested. <laughs> um, cool. Well, tell me a little bit about the team. How big are you now and what do you need to hire? What What's next?
1: Yeah. So we're, the team's at 14 today and we're actively and always will be hiring. Um, I think the biggest part and the easiest way to win the championship is to have the best team. You know, I credit all of our success to the team. It's no one person that can do everything. And in fact, if you think that way, it's usually the downfall. Um, and that's actually a tough concept I we all struggle with is kind of relieving the reins and, and passing on some duties to others. And fortunately I have a phenomenal team behind me. A lot of people that are experienced in the space, Uh, we look to hire people from the space, you know, from, uh, dispensaries or brands or services like POS companies that exist today. So they have, you know, the cannabis space is so interesting, so unique and it's very hard to teach. So having that experience in it really helps. Um. Where we kind of divide our team at this point is we have four sectors I would call it of the team. We have our software team, which is hiring software engineers to build product um, for an ever, you know, an endless uh, product roadmap that we'll always have. We have our content managers, which we've spoken about, um, which is, you know, Cleaning the the menus up on a daily basis, uh, working with the brands to populate those menus with professional photos, descriptions, and all the other um, aspects that we talked about. It's customer support. We briefly mentioned that. It's making sure that our dispensaries and our consumers are supported throughout the entire process, making sure that every order is confirmed, tracked, and, and fulfilled, it closed out in a matter in a you know a timely manner. And then uh, it's also sales, of course, which is another thing we we briefly mentioned, and making sure that we are out reaching out to as many retailers as possible and getting our product into as many retail shops as we can. And um, those are the four sectors that we're working on today.
0: And how's it going? I mean, what are KPIs you look like? How do you how do you measure yourself and the team?
1: Yeah, I think that um, there's a lot of different ways, but the three main metrics, and I guess two of them are combined, which is the two that are combined GMV and number of orders. So that's kind of intertwined as in the same and then the amount of dispensaries we're working with. And we're seeing a phenomenal growth right now. Uh, we've actually doubled in size of last month since our raise, and uh, we see you know uh, some exponential growth in the coming months.
0: Give me a range, if you could. how how many deliveries are you talking about a month? you know
1: well, so 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 we're, we're doing in the low, you know in the seven figures in our GMV mm-hmm. um, it's not just deliveries again, it's pickup and delivery. right uh, And we're you know over a hundred dispensaries now on the platform.
0: Got it. And how do the economics vary on pickup versus delivery?
1: So the economics um, our service actually right now to the dispensaries is completely free. So okay. we're, we're, we're after we want to prove to our, the dispensaries and the, our retail partners how our service works. We know that they're going to love it. Um, so there's we create a frictionless kind of approach to the dispensary saying we just want to prove it to you, um, you know and let us let us prove it to you and then we can structure something that will work for both of us. So the, the economics on our end as far as our revenue, it looks the exact same for
0: pickup and delivery. Got it. And how long is it usually that they sort of are on the freemium before they upgrade?
1: Yeah, it depends on the dispensary. We go dispensary by dispensary
0: on that. Got it. Okay. Uh, Well, that also requires some money. So good thing that you uh, raised some money to sort of uh, achieve that, execute that model. Um, Absolutely. uh, Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about sort of the future here uh, and what delivery looks like. I I think delivery is gonna become an increasingly important part. I mean, if you see certain regions they don't want to have stores, uh, the The stores that do exist are very crowded, there's long lines, you sort of feel rushed. Uh, you know, how much of this industry is going to be done by delivery at scale? You know, give it another two or three years. Something
1: like that. So I think the answer just changed when you said two or three years. Let me say, I think that you are correct. 100% in time delivery will be, the majority of orders will be done through delivery. But similar in, 10 to the, in 10 years.
0: In 10 years?
1: Correct. Similar to in the food space. I think to go on that two, three-year comment and back to the now the 10-year comment, it's going to take some time. There's a, The rules and regulations need to allow for delivery, which is very slow to roll out. Oregon was the first state to legalize, and we don't have much outside of Oregon yet. The California laws are so... Uh, truthfully wishy-washy and and unstable Mm -hmm. that uh, it's hard to speak on it right now. A lot of states are talking about legalizing delivery, but keep in mind when there's first the rules and regulations that need to allow for delivery, then there's the infrastructure need for the retailer. The retailers need insurance. It's very hard to get insurance for deliveries. They need the volume to support the cost of delivery. That doesn't happen overnight and they need tools like ours to even offer delivery to their consumers. You can't pick up a phone and order cannabis like you can a pizza. Mm -hmm. If I ordered a pizza with you right now, I'll tell you I like pepperoni, mushroom, onion and I don't care what pizza restaurant it is, that's what I order. In fact, I don't even need a menu in front of me to order that. Mm -hmm. So with cannabis, it's the far opposite. Every single dispensary has different product and even at that dispensary, every day their product changes. So I need a menu in front of me to know what their current inventory is. and. If I were to ask, the, if I picked up the phone and didn't have the menu in front of me and I were to ask that bud tender, let's say, on the phone, it would start off, well, I want flour and I want a sativa. Some of these, the average dispensary has over 250 SKUs. They have 250 products. It's extremely difficult for them to say, well, okay, so you want sativa and you want flour. It's almost like, where do I begin? We have 30 of those. Mm-hmm. So do, do we start going one by one? Um, and then furthermore, once we've decided and we're comparing maybe, let's call it sour diesel and blue dream. Well now I have to ask you, what's the THC percentages of both? And well, what's the gram? What's the eighth price? What's the quarter price? And it's so hard to keep track. In fact, I think this call would take at least 30 minutes to complete an order mm. and nobody has time for that. So. That kind of goes back even to the first question you asked, which is, what's the difference between cannabis and food from an online ordering perspective? And that's it right there. It's that educational tool, the ability for not only the retailer to receive orders, but for the consumer to place an order with the ease of being able to sort through the menu, look at that education in how much THC does it have? How much CBD does it have? What type is it? And be able to compare, which is a big part of that buying process. So Mm -hmm. You know, I think that uh, kind of to wrap this back up into your original question, delivery will in time take the space, I think, from the convenience simply of what us humans in this day and age look for. And that is convenience. We see it in every space, now even grocery stores and convenience stores. I mean, the idea that people are now ordering, for example, Instacart, um, which is a widely successful um, mm-hmm. on-demand delivery service from for for grocery stores, I mean, who'd ever thought that you're ordering paper towel delivered to your door? But mm-hmm. you are. Mm-hmm. And Amazon, you barely go into the big box retail stores now, you go to Amazon.
0: You took you know, the next question off my tongue. In I the, mean, in the next ten. Okay, let's let's use your ten year analogy. Put ourselves in that space. And sixty percent of all cannabis is sold in delivery. Isn't Amazon going to do that delivery? I mean, I'm using Uber Eats today to get food. Sure. Uh, you know, are, when are they, getting, they? When are they getting involved?
1: I hope they do. I think that just not only solidifies the space and brings so much credibility, but really educates at a wide scale, uh, the clients, as in the dispensaries, and the consumers to say, hey, this is a thing, this is awesome, you guys got to try this out. So competition is a beautiful thing, we welcome it. You know, it's again, it's powering and educating the space, it's bringing credibility and solidifying that this is a sector that's here to stay, that there is value in this sector, that online ordering is a great thing, you got to try it. I don't think Amazon's going to jump into this. I think uh, Amazon's got plenty of fish to fry before they look at cannabis. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that the rules and regulations need to increase, uh, you know, at that federal level and lift in order for the big players like an Amazon to jump into it. I think that by the time a player like Amazon jumps into it, I would hope that companies like ourselves, services like ourselves, like Dutchie have had a long enough time to really solidify a market share um, and kind of a space in the market that the big players are going to come in through most likely acquisition. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we'll see come time where that, what that looks like, but, uh, it's not really a worry yet. And I don't think it's going to be a worry for years to come. So I think at our, what we need to do is focus simply on what we're doing and, you know, execute on all levels there and then continuously grow and increase market share, which is what we, we what we're doing today. And we'll continue to do in the coming, you know, days, months, and years
0: so you mentioned acquisition which is something you obviously have some experience with there's a lot of sort of four-way reverse mergers and rtos ipos in canada (laughs) given that you're from canada does any of that interest you there's a lot of money on the table up there right now
1: Uh, i think that uh so it does not interest me right now i think that it's um it's interesting. I've never seen another space. It's almost like the crypto space happening all over again, and mm-hmm. we saw how that turned out. So I think uh, the, the valuations are very inflated. Um, you said it. Oh. Uh, yeah, I don't think anybody would argue that. Um, I think that what again, what we need to do is we're not trying to. Do anything out of the norm here. We want to create a best-in-class product for and fill a void that we see need needing to to fill. Um, we want to give the value prop to the retailer and consumer and heighten that to the to the highest point that we can. And we want to keep it private and work with strategic investors. cost severity, like we spoke about, they're focused solely on the cannabis space. You know, opening up to public money, um, sure, that's going to bring us a lot of money. However, a great product and a great service will as well and that's what we're here to kind of to fulfill so we know that you know I've I think it's a very safe uh, assumption to say capital should never be your problem if you execute on the business model and the product that you've set out to to you know to fulfill and and do then and you succeed then the, the capital will be there and you know, opening up the capital market, to public markets does not, is not something that I don't think we need to do and something that we're focused on at all right
0: now. Well, chalk one up for US private investors. That's uh that's music to my ears. Uh, yeah. yeah. A lot of <laughs> bullshit happening up there to me. To
1: yeah, it's a little, <laughs> a little crazy.
0: Yeah, it's a little crazy. Um, okay, let's switch gears a little bit here. I kind of like to connect your business with who you are as a person. Uh, given that, you know, you, you have a delivery company, how has your relationship changed with cannabis since uh, since starting this?
1: You know, so I've always been an advocate of cannabis. I've always thought that it, you know, gave multiple benefits from the health side to the social side, um, you know, to – to consumers, I've always thought that if you normalize it, then the people that should and want to smoke it can or consume it can. And the people that shouldn't won't, you know, it's, it's, it's similar to, you know, anything else out there. It's similar to the idea of sugar in the
0: grocery store. I don't like flaming hot Cheetos, but they should exist in the world. Because exactly.
1: If you don't want to eat, because Cheetos are so normalized yeah. when you go to the market, If you don't want to eat them, you're not going to eat them. However, if Cheetos were illegal, and this is a funny analogy, but I like it, so we'll go with it. You said it. If Cheetos were illegal, there would be this stimulation and this adrenaline around getting Cheetos, and you might try it. Mm-hmm. So I love the idea of normalizing it. Um, I think it's only beneficial. it helps in all facets, including even the tax dollars that we're bringing in at a state, federal and local level um, from cannabis and now that it's regulated, we know where our plant came from we know what's in it, it's tested, it's lab approved. that's a beautiful thing. Um, we've seen a lot of you know benefits from like uh, you, you know the opiates uh, rate decreasing when federal you know or when legal, recreationally legal states yep. come online. Um, so it's nothing, but I think we've all seen, it's fair to say and assume that we've seen nothing but positive things out of the legalization of cannabis. Um, now I, as a consumer myself, um, what's changed with me as, especially from when it was illegal to now legal is there's been so much, so many studies done and it's really opened up all of our minds to those benefits. So, it's overwhelming the response we see from our consumers on a daily basis saying, thank you for being here. You know, I am a, you know, I deal with PTSD and, you know, I need my cannabis or my medicine and, you know, your service provides an easy way to, 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 to receive that and access that. And that kind of just warms you. It gives you that feeling of, you know, you're doing something more than just, creating a service or a business here it's it's really helping people so i think that the biggest change for me is definitely that it's seeing how the space through legalization and and um our service has really benefited so many outside of just getting them cannabis but the benefits that they're receiving from the cannabis and we are kind of indirectly or directly I could, could, could say providing that to them um so that that's been the biggest change for me and my outlook on what cannabis is today and what it, you know where it's going
0: very cool and how about you yourself do you like flowers or concentrates edibles what, what are you into
1: yeah you know i so I, I tend to consume but not as often as maybe one would think um you know it goes in waves maybe back in the day and in, in younger years i used to more um i think that it's important to kind of stay up on the space Um, to understand the products that we're offering and the brands that we're working with. Um, I appreciate being able to talk with them about the products and you can't really do so unless you've tried it. Well, you can, but it's much more honest and and, uh, reputable if you've tried it yourself. Um, You know, I don't go overboard with it, um, but I do like that it kind of alters the perspective and kind of takes the edge off. You know, I run, anybody that knows me, I'm quite the type A personality. I run a million miles per minute here. And at the end of the day, to kind of relieve that, thought process process and give you a different perspective on maybe an idea or a situation I've been thinking through over the course of the day or week, it really helps. So I tend to stick to the old school way of the flower. I like, uh, you know, just rolling up a joint at the end of the night and taking a few hits and, um, you know, bringing some thought onto that and and relaxing throughout the night so that's where i where i live in the space
0: good stuff uh how do you stay informed when you get up in the morning what do you read what's the go-to
1: yeah, so that's a great question. I personally love Crunchbase. Um, I love the daily; it's a quick snapshot of what's happening. I'm fascinated by not only cannabis but business and capital and and how it's how the spaces are moving. Um, I love TechCrunch. TechCrunch has done a phenomenal job of keeping us up to date with uh, what's going on. They have, I think, quite the personality over there and yep. do a phenomenal job of that. There are some, um, you know, marijuana. Focused uh email newsletters as where well is, as, you know, uh as, as well as some publications that I like to stay up on as well. And um, you know, I like to set Google alerts actually for mm-hmm. a lot of um topics that I'm interested in and kind of sift through uh what comes through my feed every day.
0: Like cannabis delivery. Is that one of that's your Google one, alerts? that's one of them <laughs> that must get a lot a lot of notifications
1: you know um, there's there's some beautiful podcasts like investing in cannabis that'll really keep you up to date as well
0: well thank you for saying that yeah we we uh, have steered away from sort of the real time news and and prefer the sort of in-depth interviews but yeah that's uh that's nice to hear thank you for
1: saying yeah well you know it's it is it's a good it's a good look you know it's it's one way like for this for this podcast right now it's to Actually, hear the founder or whoever that you have on the show talking at a more personal level instead of kind of coming from an editor at a large publication and and yep. translated. It. So it's it's nice.
0: Yep. Yep. Awesome. Uh, well, glad that you listen. That's uh, that's really cool. <laughs> um, uh, favorite book you've ever given someone.
1: Geez, that's such a tough question. It should, I think, the only good answer is it changes in time. Um, the late, I could speak on the latest book that I've been giving out. Um, well, there's a couple. So, me personally, I really enjoy right now Reid Hoffman's Blitzscaling. Um, it's like music to my ears it's everything and its exact approach that I like to take with my business mm-hmm. and it's perfect for our model if you've read that if you haven't I encourage it mm-hmm. um, you know with our customer support team I encourage delivering happiness by Tony at Zappos I think mm-hmm. that everybody that knows him indirectly or Knows that he has built a business based on customer support, and it's one of the most important things in a business like ours. Yep. Um, but yeah, so I guess those two books kind of stand out to me. Um, I'm a big fan of Malcolm Gladwell and his philosophies. Adam Grant um, has done a phenomenal job with uh, The Originals, Option B, Give and Take, of understanding more of the psych- psychological level and of, of business and teams working together. Um, so those are just the name a few. I guess that
0: that was a good list. That there's was a, there's, there's,
1: yeah. There's a lot there.
0: Yeah. Well, Ross, this has really been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I'll give you a second to, to pitch, plug whatever you want. Are you hiring for something specifically? Something you're looking for a partner? Well, you know, how can we help?
1: Yeah, so uh, no, I appreciate that. Thank you for asking that. So we're always hiring. Yeah, anybody that uh, is listening to this or catches wind of this, who's interested in our concept model and things that they could bring va- add value to and bring value to the table, definitely reach out. Um, you can contact us on our website. We're happy to speak with you. And if you're a good fit, you know, we're happy to welcome you to the team and um, enjoy growing this platform. Um, you know, on the consumer side, I would say check out Dutchie.com, Um Type in your address, and you can see all the the retailers in your area. We're growing always, so continuously check back to see who we add on and try online ordering you know it's it's a really fun um, process and experience that we're offering you guys to check out all the retailers in your area all the dispensaries see what they have with with a beautiful menu in front of you and place an order online and you'll be able to skip the line and your order will be ready right when you get to the dispensary or try ordering it for delivery and it will be delivered to you. It's quite convenient. And then on the retailer end, if you're a dispensary listening, um, you know, give us a shout. We would love to show you our service and give you a demo. It's something that, you know, I think that you'll really like and enjoy being able to sell online is a huge space that shouldn't be avoided or overlooked. Um, We're bringing, you know, dispensaries a lot of volume in in business Um, and it's just incremental revenue and additional orders that we're happy to help promote your business and, and fulfill your needs. So yeah, And thanks, Brandon, for having me. I really, really appreciate our conversation.
0: Absolutely. Truly a pleasure. Thanks again for joining us.
1: Yep. Thank you.